right, everybody. Welcome back to Stories from a Mountain Town. This is your host, Tyler, and we have back with us Alex Kissanergis. Alex, welcome back to the show. Howdy. Um, he's our first repeat guest. I wanted to get, um, I wanted to do another episode with a friend before I had like uh, someone I didn't know with the new setup because we've been kind of tweaking with this thing for a little bit here and I didn't want to waste anybody else's time but yours, Alex. He likes me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, today, so we have some beer from Snake, from Snake River. So thanks to those guys again, as always, for supporting the podcast and helping us make this fun. We have the See You in, oh, I just spilled. See You in Hells. Um, it's a lighter, it's a Munich style lager, lighter beer. Uh, Alex, what do you think about this one? Yeah, not bad. Putting their river through my liver. Yeah, they gave me a swag bag back when we started the relationship. That's their slogan, by the way. Not just some weird thing I came up with. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're not that good at marketing. <laughs> um, they gave me a swag bag when we first started our relationship with them. And they gave me a bunch of koozies and shirts and hats and things to give out to people. So did I give you a shirt? You gave me a yeah, shirt? Yeah, open that thing up. I haven't actually looked at these yet. So Alex, I figured Alex deserved a shirt because he's a repeating guest and he didn't get anything in the first go around. This one's kind of cool in the back. And he's, oh, yeah, sick. Rafting. Got, a, get, got the old Snake River Pale Ale logo on the back, um, so he'll have to... Those folding skills. <laughs> he'll have to take a picture of that when he when he wears it next. But yeah, so um, again with the new mic setup, today we're going dual mics, and it's my first time doing this sort of setup. We got two sets of headphones, we hear each other right in our ears. But yeah, so how's, how's it been going for you? Not bad, not bad. Recovering. Mike out here. Yeah, so Alex, sadly enough, big time, I'd call him Mountaineer. He's done some pretty crazy shit. Um, Injured his knee early in the season, like Thanksgiving weekend or something, right? Uh, First week of December. First week of December. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he hasn't been able to ski at all, which I know has just been torture for you because you're a really active guy. So like, just tell tell listeners about like your injury and how it happened and what it's been like just being so bored this whole winter. Oh, yeah. Well, we live in a mountain town where you ski in the winter, <laughs> where you cross-country ski, <laughs> skate. Not much to do when, you, when you're not active. Um, so it's been, it's been really um, eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Um, all of my hobbies are outdoors and active yeah and to not have a hobby necessarily it's been um yeah i need to get a hobby that's not outdoors mm-hmm. <laughs> in case something like this happens again because it drove me nuts to sit inside for three months do nothing yeah that's the worst part of the injuries i mean the pain is temporary mobility you get back but it's just that like everything you like to do you just have to sit and watch everybody do it Especially with social media being so popular that you're probably seeing all these posts all day, every day, mine or our friends, and you're just like, oh man, like you would be there. Yeah, you and would my be there and my coworkers those. going to work, uh, going to ski while I'm at work. Yeah, and uh, yeah, taking yeah. advantage of powder claws, and you're just like, nah, I'll hold it down, guys. Here I am. Yeah. So, what? Um, tell them what did you? How'd you hurt yourself? And what was the actual diagnosis? Yeah, skiing. They opened up one of the upper lifts on the mountain. It was the first day it was open. Uh, 
course, made the last call, the ominous last call. Oh, um, no. Went up. For those who don't know, that is, sorry, you can't ever say it's your last run of anything or else bad shit will happen, it right? It did. It did. It, it happened did. with me with if my that's bike. not proof. My yeah. bike fall, I, was, I texted my stepmom, last run, then I'll come in and hang out with you guys. Ate shit. You the same thing, and um, someone else was telling me that like they have a, they had a friend who said the same thing. Texted someone last run, and now they're in a wheelchair because of that run. They like really messed themselves. Don't do up. it. Don't ever say Don't it. Don't do it. Um, yeah. So coming down, skiing on a tree line, um, early season. So it's first week of December, and the powder's covering the rock that I hit. Snagged it, gouged out the bottom of my ski. Bit of a core shot. Um, and twisted my knee, hit a tree, got the knee tangled up in the tree. And, uh, yeah, I was skiing with somebody, thought they might see. I waited. I had my one ski buried, my one ski tangled up in the tree. And, uh, they skied right past me. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I sat there for a second, thought, shit, what am I going to do? So I mustered up the strength to lean forward and pop my boot out of my binding because the din didn't pop. Um, and crawled over to the groomer where I was like, okay, I can either wave down ski patrol or I can ski down on this while the adrenaline's in. <laughs> so I skied down, <laughs> probably ill-advised. Shouldn't have done that. Um, got about halfway down, knee gave out completely and, uh, got down to the bottom, took a step, immediately collapsed on that leg. Yeah. And that was when I really knew something was absolutely wrong. Um, that's a story of my MCL. Yeah. So that was an MCL tear. It was, uh, grade two, three, it was hanging on by a thread. Um, ripped off the bone yeah grade 2.9 yeah exactly um so yeah most tears to my understanding tear in the middle mine ripped off the bone mm-hmm. gave me good bone bruise on my tibia i i could be medically incorrect for anybody <laughs> listening to this <laughs> yeah, we're not that's my here. understanding of it um but it was a really bad mcl tear luckily it was nothing else and it just put me out for three three and a half months instead of uh, six to eight that an ACL would have been. Yeah. And then anything I'm going to do surgery, like, um, in addition to the actual recovery, then you have to get cut and you know, that's a whole different, <laughs> you cold. Oh yeah. I'm so cold. He just put his jacket on. Um, that's like a whole different style of recovery than just like kind of take it easy. Like you gotta, you know, there's the healing of the cut and everything. So is it's kind of like a, my recovery on my, I tore my ACL in college. It was basically, it's basically 12 full months until your, you know, your mobility is back and your body actually, if you do get a, if you do surgery, your body turns that graft into the new ligament. Like it changes the cells in it. That's crazy. And it doesn't take, it only, it has to take 12 months to do that. That's just such a crazy thing. Yeah. But yeah, so now you, you just said this is your first, first day um walking around without the brace yeah second day first week um so excited 
Have you been measuring your flexion and extension numbers for that? No. <laughs> you should. Like, if you go to P- ask your PT to do it, because that's what they would do. Oh, yeah. I haven't gone to PT in a long time. Because um, that's really important for, like, mobility. And you, you don't think, like, oh, uh, you know, if I don't have the full range of motion I used to have. But it's, like, it's really important. I can do everything right now except for do the catcher squat. Mm, yeah. Um, I can do it. It just feels weird. Yeah. yeah that'll feel weird for a while. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping to ski next two, two, maybe three weeks and see what the snow looks like. I want to ski on ice right away. Yeah. Awesome. I'd love to come with you. Um, have you been, so besides like walking around, have you done any other activities? You've been biking, I think you said? Uh, haven't been biking actually. I, I tried cross country skiing. When? Um, over the weekend, this past weekend, I, uh, hit Cash Creek. It was not groomed. Oh man, it was slippery, but I had no pain. Um, even when like, do you try to do like any little pizzas, you know, pizza stopping kind of stuff on even those cross uh, going country? downhill? Yeah, just to like feel like what it would feel like to push against it like that. Um, no, but I was skate skiing, so oh, okay. you know I'm putting that that weight on the inside. Yeah, of my knee there whenever you're doing your right leg, and mm-hmm. so that would kind of simulate skiing, I guess. Yeah, that reminds me. The American Birkebeiner was last weekend up in Hayward. Do you follow that, that at all? Is that in Minnesota? Wisconsin. It's where my cap and famous cabin is. And it's the biggest uh, cross-country ski race in America. Um, because there's like just miles and miles of sick cross-country ski trails through the National Forest there. And they just race from like one town to the next town. And they oh, finish nice. in downtown Hayward. It's like a Olympic qualifier and everything. Never heard of it. Well, some some cross-country skier you are. <laughs> Poor. <laughs> how Shame how was me. um how was the ice climbing festival? It's good. It's good. Did you so climb? um didn't climb. I'd intended on it the second day. So I was there for two days. Um up in uh, the upper peninsula of Michigan. There's an ice climbing festival on the north shore, um, by pictured rocks, if anyone knows where that is. And uh went the first day, thought, okay, I'm gonna belay for my buddy, see how See how my knee feels hiking into these ice features, and I'll make my decision the next day. And I thought, cool, I'm good to go after the first day. Second day, got the gear for free, actually. She hooked me up. Shout out to Michigan Ice Fest. Um, And we determined that we wanted to go do this big, iconic ice climb called Dairyland. Dairyland gorgeous it's it's like a 200 foot waterfall off the side of a cliff over over lake superior oh, sick. and none of the none of the water was frozen over down there yet so you're climbing over water uh, so you how do you get to it well you can either wrap down or you can have somebody lower you down if you're on top rope oh um so you climb the top so you hike the top yeah. ridge and um we hiked in it was about a two-hour hike. We had some issues with our crampons at one point. We were stopped for like 15 minutes, and this group of four or five dudes passed us. We hadn't seen anybody to that point. And we finally get to the climb, and there these four or five dudes are. And we're like, hey, do you mind if we set up rope next to you? And they're like, hey, we're actually doing a f- photo shoot for whatever company. They were a bunch of pros. Oh, sick. Um, known for ice climbing um blanking on their names right now 
but they were doing a shoot for somebody and we didn't end up getting to climb that. So we found one smaller near it. And my buddy leaned over the edge and was like, there's nothing to go down. Um, How can you tell? Like, You can't tell from the top. Uh-huh. So he, he climbed down about 10 feet, hung over the edge, looked down, and <laughs> like the ice was too thin to climb there. Like you can see it. He has a video of it. It's kind of like bat-winged out, and it doesn't go down very far, and it's real thin. Uh-huh. You wouldn't want to climb on it. I wouldn't want to climb on any ice. <laughs> because that's just insane um, because like we know ice breaks and you're hitting it with picks no this is thick and, hard ice and it correct me if i'm wrong but it like changes you know every year for sure and then like throughout the year also right um yeah yeah so yes short answer yes um i i mean can ice break while you're climbing absolutely yeah, but if you had seen some of the, these like these waterfalls that freeze, you wouldn't have any like concern about climbing it. Yeah, I think I, th- I saw your stories that you had up there, and I've seen yeah. people doing that. Yeah, I mean like, it's, it's cool. I've seen like documentaries of like Conrad Anchor doing it. He was there. Got to hear him speak. Oh, really? Yeah, cool. It's cool. Is he like from Michigan or something, or lives in Michigan? No, he lives in Montana. He lives in Bozeman. He's from. He's, he's, he's from some California. connection to michigan other than just going ice climbing there something like that i don't know i know he makes a habit of going to michigan ice fest because it's like fresh ice every year it's a really Mm. iconic climbing festival nice and those 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 the friends of yours that we met here that uh skied here for the weekend yes there's actually just one oh we met i flew into marquette michigan and he picked me up did you fly in an air balloon? Like, what kind of plane goes into Marquette, <laughs> Michigan? About Thirty seats from Chicago to Marquette, <laughs> and uh, I flew in. There's no taxi service. Yeah. No bus service. No Ubers. No lifts. <laughs> and um, it was about negative ten before wind chill at nine thirty at night, and there was absolutely no hitchhiking. And by the time I realized what was going on, it was me and two gals my age. And I wasn't about to ask them for a ride. <laughs> so I had to rent a car just to get oh. to my hotel. And it was like 30 minutes away. So I, I rented this car just, like, just for that it's drive. Like, was it like north, like towards the lake, obviously? So the Marquette's on the lake. And then oh, yeah. the airport was, you know, towards the middle of the UP. Uh-huh. That's funny. Did, did you plan to like do one of those four first four yeah, options? Yeah, I've never been to an airport where there hasn't been one of those four. Yeah. I mean... Maybe I can understand not having an Uber, but you think there'd be taxis? Yeah, or like a shuttle to bring you to town right. or something. And they knew the flight was coming in. Yeah, and it's a the festival weekend, so like probably a lot of people. Well, not flew only in. is it the festival weekend, but there was a big dog fest, mm. like a dog racing, mushing festival up there at the same time. Oh yeah, that's cool. In Marquette, um, so there's like every reason for the airport to be full. Yeah, and have transportation. And I checked the bus schedule, and the last bus came at like five. <laughs> That's funny. That's so. a, the 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 UP is someplace I've never been to, but I just I really need, if I didn't move here, I was I was like planning trips to go up there because there's like the Porcupine Mountains and there's, um, you know, like snowmobiling up there and mm-hmm. uh, Mount Bohemia and all the stuff along the lake, and, and I can get there from my cabin like in not a lot of time. 
So that it's, was, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I love all the stuff along the lake. Like I've told you about the stuff up the North shore that I've gone and seen on North shore of um, Minnesota. Yeah. And even the South shore along in the Wisconsin side is the same, same kind of stuff. Like those, like the apostle islands It's kind of like pictured rocks. Just those random, just like giant tall rocky cliffs, like just mm-hmm. in the water. So it's really cool. Yeah. Midwest is like, has some surprising beauty there. You don't hear about it. Yeah. Because yeah. Because you th- when you say Midwest, you think like Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, like prairie. Right. And it's a lot of like southern Minnesota, southern Wisconsin is all prairie. But then like northern Minnesota is like really thick. Um, what would that be? Coniferous forest? Yeah. And coniferous like is- some elevation, some mountains. Um, northern Wisconsin is just like giant rolling hills. Same kind of forest. And then all on the lake is like really really crazy rock formations from the water beating it for Mm -hmm. so many years big water yeah like there's um yeah like pictured rocks is just like these giant cliffs like right in the water right that's what that's yeah like one of those things where you picture it but then you get there and you're like oh wow these are actually really big yeah really big yeah it's the same thing with the apostle islands there's just these giant cliffs just out of just spiking out of the water for no apparent reason other than glaciers yeah take a look but yeah so i i really wanted to get you back on here because it was shortly after we finished the first episode that we were like oh shit we didn't talk about your chili trip at all which is like (laughs) way crazier than anything you talked about in the first episode in like terms of like mountain stuff so he, Alex is kind of a mountaineer climber type who would like, you know, do some more extreme things in the mountains just to say you did it just to like achieve that sort of thing and go up higher and go to less cushy type mountain style stuff than even I would. Um, so yeah, tell us, just go through that. Like where did you went to Chile? Oh, Peru. Peru. Sorry. Oh. Fuck that up. Went to Peru, but it's the same same mountain range, the Andes. Yeah, they're long. Yeah, they go. Yeah, they're enormous. And what like area of Peru? What like town was nearby? Well, so I was in all our climbing was in southern Peru, in outside of Arequipa. Arequipa which is the second biggest city in Peru. It's got a little over a million people. And that's the town you said it sits at like thirteen thousand feet or something. It sits at seven oh. or six. Wasn't five. there a town you said is like that's like really really high up there? There's a town in Peru. I think it's the highest one in the world that sits at like thirteen. Well, I, I didn't go there, but or that, no, it, I think he, like seventeen. That's insane. That's don't, like like don't quote me. It's right like Everest now, Base Camp height. Yeah, but there's it's a I'm gold mining. Up. It's a gold mining town in in Peru, and it sits way up there in like half the. It's it's got a big population too. Yeah. Um, and you just went there. I didn't go there. Yeah. You, so you just went to Peru just to like climb mountains and explore and like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, we, I was at the, the mangy moose. Those of the, excuse me. Um, for those of you that know where that is, um, moose, the world's finest <laughs> opera ski bar. And my buddy had, taught in peru for a bit so he was telling me about this volcano that overlooks these volcanoes that overlook arequipa 
he had gone up one of them called El Misty. And El Misty sits at about 19,200 feet. And he... For reference to the Jackson locals, the Grand Teton is like 13,500 feet. And so, what do you say, 19,000? So, so Jackson and Arkeepa sit roughly, roughly at the same um, vertical. Yeah. I think Arkeepa might be a little bit... I just, I just found a town. So the highest known human settlement in the world is high in the Andes Mountains in La Rinconada of Puno, a district of Peru. This community is located at 16,728. That's insane. Could you imagine living there? No. And I can tell you as someone who's been up that high that that's not an altitude where your brain functions very well. Yeah. Um, if the people there probably have the same thing going on as the... Uh, um, what do they call the people that help uh, climbers on Everest? Sherpas. Sherpas, yeah. How they're they're like, um, uh, after generations of living there, like their bodies work differently. They work better at altitude than ours do. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think these. So I think. I don't know because I think Sherpas have lived at altitude for a while. I think these people migrated to this town with the discovery of gold. So I don't think they've mm, been there for yeah. centuries. I think they've been there for decades. I don't think is enough to like. Yeah, just for reference, Everest Base Camp is seventeen thousand six hundred. So yeah. like, a thousand feet higher. A thousand feet. This town is a thousand feet lower than Everest Base Camp. Crazy. Okay, carry on. Um, so yeah, he's telling me about this this uh, volcano uh, called El Misti that overlooks. It's a there's three volcanoes that overlook Arequipa. El Misti is the most prominent one. And he had been up it. He had just um, trekked it. And he was telling me, you know, there's snow on the top, and then there's these volcanic ash shoots that go down the side. And he was like, "I'm, we can ski him. I know we can ski him. <laughs> we can ski ash. <clears throat> so I was like, y- you sold me. So a day later, we booked our tickets to Peru. I put in my PTO at work. And... uh we flew down in two or three months later and um, get there, spent some time in Lima, you know, headed down to Arequipa. Um, and that's that's where we started off our journey. Um, it was a really cool experience. Yeah, awesome. And so... Uh what was the thought process like? And just like, you don't really speak Spanish, do you? Uh, well, <laughs> I took ten years of it. Oh well, like st- you don't, you don't, do you keep up with it? Like, did you keep no. speak I, it conversationally? I can now? speak barely conversation. I can understand really well. Yeah. So I can sit there and listen to a conversation, know what's going on, mm-hmm. decently well. Um, but, but when it comes to like actually speaking to people, I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or lack of vocabulary, but one of those two means I can't. Yeah, but just um, like deciding that I'm going to go to a country that you don't really speak the language. It's a foreign language, even though it is Spanish. So like you said, you know a lot about it. Um, but to just do something that like extreme like that. What was that thought process like? Because every time I've gone to Mexico, Spanish the thought process country, was he like, said, I'm just going to sit on my ass and drink, drink a bunch of beer. <laughs> so like, I don't really need to know the language to do that. Beach isn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I don't, I don't have anything to do on the beach. Maybe fish. Yeah. Um, but like you need, you would need to talk to people to like get potentially get out there and get home safely. Well, so I have this and, and trekking is a bit different because you can go and trek through the wilderness and not need to know anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, but for something like this, this is something where to have a friend who knows somewhat what they're talking about has been to the place can tell you, I think this is possible. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what really sold me to like the thought process there, I guess was, uh, he said, I think we could ski this. And, uh, we looked it up and we couldn't find any record of anybody ever skiing it or being on there with skis or anything. So, um, every picture that i looked up it it's been dry like there's yeah snow on there yeah well there's always snow up there there's a glacier at the top oh. um when we were up there there was a little bit more snow than when you look it up on google um we we met more went for the ash shoots than we did the snow mm-hmm. like the snow really wasn't our goal there at all um more so it was to climb a you know, over 19,000 foot volcano and ski down in some way, shape or form. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but yeah, I was just like, okay, it would be cool to even just say we'd been on this mountain with skis. So do you still think that you had a first descent of El Misty? So, well, descent is a relative because first descent on, first descent on skis, you know, we just skied down towards base camp. We didn't ski all the way down to the base of the mountain. I don't think you could, if that makes sense. What I'm trying to get at is, like, <laughs> also, stories also from, to, bef- to answer your question yeah. before, stories from Mountain Town. <laughs> stories from Mountain Town, uh, breaking news that uh, First Descent discovered on El Misty Volcano. Like, I'm just trying to figure out how, if we could, like, talk to whoever records first descents and like give you get you guys credit for that because how sick would that be yeah i i think like definitely i mean we have videos we have everything recorded wise i think it might be first but we we talked to everybody we knew down there to see if anybody had and like you could you guys anybody listening can look up a picture of this mountain yeah there's not much snow el misty yeah el misty there there can be a lot of snow there's not a lot of snow. It's not like an it's not an alpine mountain in that yeah. sense. Um but we talked to everybody we knew um trying to figure out if anybody had been on skis on this thing before. And there's the volcano to the south I think south of that is called Chichani and people have skied that before. Um but from from we heard from one person that you know like uh, two decades ago maybe some german dudes tried to ski Mm -hmm. or swiss or something um but that's all we heard about and uh, we couldn't find anything on the internet in spanish or english uh, regarding that so we may have been the first people with skis on there we may not have been definitely the first people with video of skiing up there that i can find dude Um, that's still sick like is there some sort of like, uh, you know, world, like world mountaineering association or something? We could like let's let's look into this. 
Yeah. You could have a, you could have an official first descent of El Misty. I guess. I guess. I've never you really the thought video. about like, it. If they, I, I don't know what the process would be like, but if they looked in their books and they're like, nope, we don't have anything on El Misty. Like, do you have a video record of it? And it's like, yeah. Like, you could show, like, your mm-hmm. flights and receipts and whatever you need to do to, like, verify. But, like. Yeah, we have, um, we had a video from the top. Well, we walked down about 100 feet because it was kind of weird. But from there, we have video from the top just about almost down to base camp. Yeah. And then you mm. kind of had to traverse over to base camp on your feet. But I, and, and like, if, if like I ever post this video and anybody watches it, my buddy sold me on ash. I thought I was going to be skiing pure ash up there. <laughs> like this it was powder. Pow. <laughs> um, this is some rocky, sketchy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I can't imagine um, ash like supports you I, at all when you're going through it. Well, the, there was some powdered ash and that oh. skied great stopping was weird but most of it was rocky and i felt like i was gonna break my neck every second of it you didn't hurt yourself skiing rocky ash in south america you hurt yourself next to a groomed run in bounds here i know in this in early december i know on this well no on different skis but yeah yeah um yeah i mean that's just (laughs) it's just uh one of those things where i think we got lucky, but it was it's kind of nuts though, because it could have been a bad situation. Because, um, so that the, it's an active volcano, so there's smoke coming out of the top, not smoke, but like sulfur mm-hmm. clouds coming out the top. Um, like you can go up into the volcano, like look through over the rim and see like lava. You don't see lava, but you see it's just like sulfur smoke coming. Did out. you do that? Is that where your summit is? Yeah, yeah. So the 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 summit is on one of the lips of that rim, uh-huh. and uh, there's a big cross up there. It's kind of cool, and um, it's probably not an overly hard hike trek up there. I was incredibly sick. Um, I was incredibly sick, and that probably changed things. But. Um, yeah, you just kind of hike up the ridge, sleep at base camp, keep hiking, and you're super tired because of the altitude and everything. But, um, yeah, you just go up, go up this ridge. Anyways, um, it could have gotten real bad because as we were coming down, the smoke – or not smoke, I keep um, – fog is the English word for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, something. Fog rolled through, and – um, my buddy and I lost each other because I was skiing well behind him. He was just ripping through this rock, and I was taking my time. Yeah, did, didn't you tell me, too, that it was so high up that with all your gear, you'd take, like, two or three turns and just be totally, uh, yeah. totally winded, like, and, just and done? if anybody's listening to this, has skied, like, Everest and shit, and you're probably thinking this is nothing, but yeah, um, sick old Alex was up there taking one turn and, and bending over to catch his breath. Um, yeah. And you, did you live here at that time too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was living I, here. I was, was going to say. So I, I had acclimated to altitude, which had, had helped. But well, 6,000 6, feet, not six seventeen thousand. Right. So we, I think if you look it up, it says you start your hike at 10,000. 
um, we definitely started at like seven thousand. So I don't know where they were measuring from. Yeah, seven or seven five, maybe eight at the max. So we did, you know, eleven, maybe twelve thousand feet of vert. Did you have to do um, like a dawn start for that? We started. No. So first day we started in the morning, got to base camp, which was at 15 or 14.5. Oh, really? I don't know. Somebody's going to look this up and tell me I'm wrong. We need like but, a, we need like a Jamie. Yeah. Young Noah. Look this up. <laughs> Over there in the corner. Maverick. Young Mav. Maverick. Look this up. Um, But yeah, anyways, it, it was at like 15,000. So we got to, the, we got to base camp around like five maybe went right to bed that's a really high base camp when like the rest of the vertical like isn't that much more um yeah but like uh, air's thin up there Mm -hmm. air's thin up there and what is like base camp it might have been 14 just just a bunch of tents might have been 14 guides and climbers no no base camp is a rock that kind of breaks the wind oh it's just your base camp so no no like there's there's campsite like there's fire pits oh that, like people have placed rocks for fire pits and yeah. that's it was there, any, was there anybody else there with you when you were there so we met an israeli dude and a french dude mm-hmm. and those were the only other two dudes okay i was thinking when you say base camp i don't know i just compared yeah it to like, uh, it's like a, i was comparing it to like a little a little tent town no no it's not like not not it's a just base a camp spot it's just a spot for sense. climbers to camp yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay um, not, not in like a little town base camp, like you might think in the Himalayas. Yeah. Or in Concagua. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we went up there, we hiked with these guys, climb. Um, there's no vertical grade five climbing at any point. It's not that technical. Um, but we skied down. And the Israeli guy got down after us, and we were waiting for this French guy. Fine, like after the fog broke, my buddy and I finally found each other. Mm-hmm. Um, our our driver said, "Hey, if you're not here by five, I'm leaving you." <laughs> we had hired this guy to come pick us up in his like four by four. Yeah, and uh, so we were on a time crunch, but this is this French dude wasn't down yet. And we felt responsible. And we're we're running out of food and water at this point, um, so we we talk with the Israeli dude. We're like, "What do we do? What do we do?" Like the three of us determined we didn't have enough like water, or food, or like dry clothing to s- stay the night again. Mm-hmm. So we we ended up we ended up agreeing that my buddy and I would go down. We would give all of our food and water to the Israeli dude. He would wait for the French dude. If the French dude wasn't back by a certain time, he would come down. He would tell us. He would text us, mm-hmm. and then we would call somebody. You know, the emergency there's, rescue. There's, there's no search and rescue, but we would figure something out. Yeah, and uh, calling the national guard, <laughs> proving national guard. Um, but yeah, so he, um, <clears throat> he scared the shit out of us because we thought the fog rolled through like you could easily slip fall like there was rock falls coming down as we were skiing down as sketch yeah and um he 
he still wasn't coming. So finally we went down. We like sprinted down as fast as we could uh, down to where our, our van was supposed to meet us or the 4 by 4 whatever it was. It was a big like old, old, old Land Rover or something. Like 500,000 miles on it and still going strong. Exactly. So um, we get down there, and somehow these guys, we we get to the van, or we get to very close to the van, and we turn around and we see these big clouds of smoke or big clouds of ash. And these two dudes are taking a shortcut. They're running down these ash chutes. What? Yeah. (laughs) And so they caught up to us. Oh, man. And the French dude had fallen asleep at, like, 18,000 feet. <laughs> he he sat down to take a rest or to take a, like, to Freaking rest. And lazy. he fell asleep. Because that's what altitude does. Like, yeah. So the French dude, me, and my buddy got to the summit at the same time. And the first thing those two did was lay down and fall asleep. Like, you can't do that at 19,000 feet, yeah. guys. Isn't that, isn't that like, um, the main reason people die on Everest? Like, they, they think they need to just take a nap, and, that's, and then it yeah. just sucks the will out of you to get up and get down? So I was thinking something along those lines the entire time that he was up there. I was like, either, like, a rock fell and hit him, or he's asleep, or he got lost because the fog rolled in, and he doesn't know where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, yeah, he had just fallen asleep up there. I was baffled. <laughs> so, Friggin' lazy ass French people. Oh man, he's a he's a cool guy. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. No one, no he, one who climbs that volcano is lazy. Just, just for the record. No, that was a, that was. So, I was. I, I told you I was sick. Yeah. My buddy had taught at this school last when he lived in Arequipa, and he had met this gal while we were there, and so one day he's like, "Who worked at the school?" And he was like, hey, we're going to go get dinner with this gal's family. Like, they're going to cook us dinner. I was like, oh, sweet. Get some Peruvian culture. Um, we we drive. We meet them in the middle of town. And they're in a taxi. I'm like, I'm not hopping in a taxi with these random people. What am I? <laughs> so my buddy convinces me it's going to be fine. And we're driving. And we're driving. And we're driving, and we get further and further into, like, the slums oh, no. of Arequipa. And there's uh, there's dogs with, like, their ears rotting off. And, Yuck. And, like, you know, like, trash. Uh, like, it was bad. It was, like, a bad relative. I'm sure there are worse places. But, like, it, you know, it's probably not a great neighborhood to grow up in. Like, um, worse than Detroit? <laughs> Um, but he didn't say yes, people. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> okay. Yes. So, you know, we get out of the car and immediately everybody around is like, what are these two white dudes doing here? Freaking gringos. Exactly. <laughs> who brought, who brought the gringos into town? Yeah. So I'm like, oh no, what do we do? And my buddy's like, I didn't know we were coming here, man. And so, um, the kids come running out and they're so happy. They're like stoked, stoked that we're there, and uh, they they bring the soccer ball out and we start playing soccer with them. Everything was awesome, um, and this this family is just awesome. And you could tell like there's there was like seven of them or eight in a two bedroom, and it was oh, so like you walk in, it was their kitchen, and then you walked into like an open like there was no roof on it. And then you walked into like two 
rooms and that those were the two bedrooms and that was their property. Jesus. Um, and like their, um, you know, like laundry machine was outside and stuff. We just like as American, most Americans just have like no concept of how many people live in something mm-hmm. like that. Exactly. That's why I'm saying relative. I'm sure there's worse places. I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I know there's worse places, but I don't know how many people live like that there. So I can't tell you that it was the worst neighborhood ever. But I can tell you that. Pretty darn bad. You know, the, the, the second I got out of the car, like I said, the, the dog with the rotting ear came up yeah. to me. And, like, just the way they treated it so nonchalantly, you knew that was, like, just a part of their life. Yeah. And so it, it really, like, we talk about um, not really realizing how great of a place we live in and how we take mm-hmm. Uh, like America, especially for granted. Yeah. Um, that's a situation where your eyes kind of open. You're like, whoa, we definitely take things for granted. Yeah. Um, but they, they cooked for us, and I I didn't know what to do because I'm like, I, they shouldn't be cooking for us. They probably can't afford it. Um, but she she turns around. She's cooking up there. It's, it's It smells good. I'm like, oh, sweet. We're getting some Peruvian food. Everybody sits around the dinner. The kids are like, talking to me i'm using what spanish i know the mom turns around with the plate of the boniest fish i've ever seen and mind you we're in the middle of the desert and is there's it, there's like one a... river flowing through and it is the dirtiest river i've ever seen and um that's probably an overstatement but um or i don't know where she got this fish from is the point and I knew immediately that my stomach would not like that. And uh, it did not. And the next day is the day we started our trek. And uh, I was violently ill for the next three weeks. Is uh, the desert there like a, uh, what do they call it? Like a rain shadow? What do they call it? Like in the backside mm-hmm. of big mountains? It's on the front side. Oh, okay. It's just mm-hmm. a different kind of desert. Uh, well... No, you're right. I don't know why the desert's on that side. Yeah. Weird. Well, think about our, our think about the Rockies. I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not. Well, a ge- the rest of Wyoming is is <laughs> what they call whatever kind of shadow that term is. High desert. Yeah, they call it like a moisture shadow or snow shadow or something like that. Because the mountains lock up all the moisture. Yeah, it yeah. all gets dropped here. Um, so the rest of like Wyoming is super dry and like yeah, arid. But it's on the it's on the ocean side of the mountains. Oh, yeah. So I don't know about that. Which is weird. Um, so you're super sick, and you're doing this major like what you did is extreme for someone's feeling their be- on their best day. You did just like on the verge of throwing up every moment. Man, it took every ounce. You think that was just like the water that might have been involved in the cooking, or uh, like I don't know. I ate cooking? every ounce of that fish though because I didn't want to put it to waste. You know. Yeah. Um, probably cost, it probably cost like, you know, 10 cents for the whole meal, but like, that's what they had. Right. And the, you know, it was, it's funny cause I had a bag of, I had a thing of peanut butter in my bag mm. and the kids had never had peanut butter before. Oh man. That's so wild. I was like, I gotta show these kids peanut butter. Yeah. They're going to lose so their I, minds. They, they did lose their minds. It was awesome. Um, one of my favorite memories and I gave them the peanut butter thing and, and, uh, you know, you know, it was really eye opening too is. Um, my buddy and I had brought water bottles because, you know, we're not going to drink the water. Um, 
And these kids were so stoked on the water bottles because we let them keep them. Like like disposable bottles of water? Yeah, yeah or like, like a Dasani analogy? bottle. Oh, <laughs> like a Dasani. Yeah, like they were so excited because these plastic bottles. Yeah. That's one of the weird things I noticed about, um, I'm sure it's a similar thing there. In, when I was in Morocco going to all these small towns, like the their only water source in the town was just full of all their garbage. And I'm like, no wonder you, we can't, nobody can drink their water. Like the locals can't drink the water. You know, it's probably the yeah, same thing. It's there. just so like their their public water there isn't treated at the same level we are. So yeah. so to speak, we're not desensitized to those. Yeah, they're, they're stronger people than us. They're just stronger people. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, have you seen um, that that documentary about Bill Gates uh, inside Bill's brain? No. So you need to watch it. Like it's gonna make you want to take uh, take over the world because it like shows the origins of his company and like what he does to like make himself to like learn more, make himself smart, smarter and all the, all the reading that he does. Um, but one of his interests in the last, you know, kind of five years, cause he doesn't, you know, need to work, need to earn any more, any more money ever is, um, he wants to take care of the world's problem with, um, untreated water. Um, because there's like this absurd amount of kids every year who die from the bacteria found in like, um, like shit water and like toilet water and like sewage water. Dysentery. Yeah. Or, uh, no, Dys- not descent. Dysentery. dysentery. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's uh, what they no, mean. No, it's not dysentery. It's uh. That's like that's like uh, Oregon Trail. Yeah, yeah. That's like an Oregon Trail. Not. But whatever it is, there's like some some absurd amount of number of kids just because they're they're like around or like ingesting shit water. And so this, a big part of the, the, the documentary was all about what they, what he's been doing to figure out a solution to cheaply and easily um, get some sort of system to these towns, mostly in Africa to clean, to like filter the water and like make it good just to be around. Right. Um, so that was that was just really cool to see that. I, I read something about one. I think it, maybe it's this prime minister, the one before, one of the prime ministers of India recently. I think his like initiative, what he got elected on, was putting a toilet in every home. Oh man. And we're complaining because our president tweets some stupid shit. Like he does tweet some stupid shit. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> but we all have toilets, right? I don't. I don't know if it's a hundred percent of us, but because probably some, maybe a few poor areas that may not have some. But ninety nine point nine percent of Americans have toilets. That's not an issue in our in our elections. Someone's not getting elected on toilets. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just a another example of us taking America for granted. Yeah, yeah the world. Insane. World is a such such a diverse place in both. You know, wealth, culture. You don't really see that until you get abroad. Yeah. You know, like get into a third world country. Get into a different first world country. Get into a second, different, second different. Are there <laughs> second world countries? No, no, no. There's not. Those. Get yeah. into a second world country. And I think those are actually terms for what um, what countries aligned with who, like Axis and Allies back uh-huh. in World War II. But uh-huh. nowadays we use them as like, a developed nation and an undeveloped nation. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I always hear everybody like, you know, when they study abroad or they go to some other country, they they like, they think that country is so much cooler than America. It's mostly because it's just different. It's a, it's a novelty. You know? I mean, yeah. not 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 saying I'm not saying like other cultures aren't to be respected and cool. They absolutely are. Like, yeah, but for that I American, would in, I would live in England for a little bit. Uh, uh, there's not enough in, mountains in England for me. I w- you could fly to the Alps yeah. easy. Or I'd live in the Alps. I could, I could live in probably Switzerland. The big difference between living in Switzerland and England, price-wise. Yeah, well, <laughs> we live here. Probably similar to here. Um, uh, but what I was trying to say was people go over there and they just find this love for like those countries. When when I've gone ab- abroad, I've been to England, I've been to Denmark, I've been to Morocco, Paris, you know, Mexico, Canada. Um, like I included Paris amongst the other countries. Or France, sorry. <laughs> um, and really all it did, like those are all great trips. I had a great time. I'm glad I did them. Would do some of them again. But really all it did is just like made me look back at America and realize like, well, this is, this is like way better or I'm enjoying it way more for all these reasons. You know, like, like in Morocco, like you can't drink the water or like um, – like in England, like nobody really, people don't really have cars. Like you walk everywhere. That's kind of maybe more a big city thing, but I like that. Yeah. You like walking everywhere? Yeah. I, I, I like, uh, I like not having to rely on a car. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to have a car where we live. I wouldn't want to not have a car here, but if, if you're living in the city, especially if you're living almost anywhere in Europe, you don't need a car. Yeah. Yeah. I would really like, um, it's, it's, I could do it from here, but I'd like to be able to bike around places. You don't like in the summer. You, you don't want to bike here. In the summer, you gonna bike up this butte? I know. And that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't like <laughs> if I live where you live. Like in the summer, I would bike everywhere. It'd be a, a good workout. I I would probably, and you know what, do it. No, dude. I would do it. <laughs> I've done it a couple do times. It. it is not that fun. Cause then I don't get like I'm going to to my house so i don't get to like when i mountain bike i bike up something just as steep but i get to ride down it but um yeah bike around is fun but yeah just my point of being like I, I just take i just like to i feel really thankful for everything that i have here in america after going to other countries where they don't have fully everything that we have like living on living on a two acre two on, on two acres looking at the at looking at mountains with a full town right next to you that doesn't really happen in a lot of other countries, you know. Maybe they did. Maybe it does. I don't know. Like I'm sure there's, there's probably mountain towns in like you know the Alps that have similar setups. All I'm saying for all I'm saying is that I'm I, really I think there's, when I go other places I get really thankful of, of how what America is like and and what we have here in America. That's all my that's my only point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I there is mountain towns elsewhere, but this is. This is like a great place, and I've always said I would live somewhere else. I love traveling other places. Um, I really enjoy other cultures, but I wouldn't want to raise my kids anywhere else. Yeah, so I was having a family. Definitely, not not necessarily Jackson, but um, like the states in general. Yeah, America. Um, yeah, it's it's a great place. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, what is there else to talk about? Do we get through all your injury stuff, and and do did you finish? Was that the end of your trip to South America? Yeah, 
uh, South did, America. Did you want to get into um, the part where you and your buddy ended up staying at like a romantic hotel or whatever it was? <laughs> so, or should we leave that for the third episode of Alex Kissing Whatever you want to do. Yeah, let's go into it. We got some time. Sure. Um, so when we first flew down to Peru, first of all, we 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 did the most. We did the cheap man's way down. Mm-hmm. So we drove the eight hours to Denver, flew to Toronto, and then oh flew God. to Lima. <laughs> For the geographically inclined, that is the most out of the way yeah. you could ever be. <laughs> Might as well just film like the other way around the globe. <laughs> so that that was the cheapest way to go. Air Canada, Denver to Lima. Um, but we we got into Lima at like midnight and my buddy had booked us an airbnb and uh he wasn't too familiar with lima he had spent 95 percent of his time in arequipa when he was down there and so i didn't know that i just knew that he he had booked uh an airbnb for us i didn't think anything of it so we hail a cab and he starts taking us towards our airbnb and he goes, hey, this like this really isn't a safe neighborhood. Like you guys really shouldn't be here. <laughs> white white guys shouldn't be here. <laughs> Meaning you gringos shouldn't be here. Yeah. Um. And we're like, ah, whatever. I'm from Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> um, suburbs. Anyways, so. We get out and it's like at this kind of like sketchy looking apartment complex. Not not too sketchy, but like enough. And we talk to the doorman, like not the doorman, but the guy at the behind the desk. And he says, uh, "Go down this corridor, up." You know. Anyways, we get up to this room. The key's not where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's like two in the morning at this point. And I'm looking at my buddy like, what the, what is going on here? <laughs> so he's messaging it in the Airbnb host. And he's blowing him up and he's calling him. We're banging on the door. There's somebody in there. But they're not opening the door. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and uh, finally he realizes that he booked it for the next day. <laughs> So he thought, oh, we're flying in at midnight. He had just gotten the dates confused. Yeah. Because of the weird time we were flying in and everything. And so we get down, we go back down to talk to the doorman. And now there's two other dudes down there. And we're like, oh, no. (laughs) And uh, I'm wearing like a flannel shirt, jeans, boots. (laughs) And these, these guys look at me and, and, like I know no Spanish. They they called me a vaquero, which is a <laughs> what does that mean? It's a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. And uh, and I just laughed, and and that kind of lightened the mood. But my buddy's like, "Hey, where can we stay? Like, we're homeless." <laughs> yeah. Uh, the guy's like, "Actually, there's a hotel like down down the street. I can take you there." And so we throw him some cash to these, this dude escorts us down the, 
<laughs> down the the road and um like you could tell the area we're not in we're in is not great right but we come around the corner and there's this like really nice ivy covered building <laughs> with wall like a like a wall built around it i'm like oh what i don't know where we are <laughs> where am i so we walk in and there's like this this like teenage couple and they just look at us and they're like what like you could l- see the looks on their face like what are these two white dudes doing here <laughs> and so we walk in and the dude walks in behind us and um my buddy goes to the counter and he's like hey can we get a room like you just need it for you know wait we just flew in um and she's like we only rent the room by two hours. <laughs> like for every two hours or like, only like no, they hours? only rent it for two hours <laughs> because this is a room where teenagers go to have sex because they all live with their parents or young couples go, go to have sex. <laughs> so <laughs> we are two, two white dudes who, uh, like that is we such totally a weird like, concept for a hotel. Like, there's nothing. There's no comparison to that in America. No, like, there's, there's not, not whatsoever. Like, there's motels that maybe do that, but uh, they or maybe get rented out for that, or like you know prom night. But they would still rent you the whole night. Yeah, yeah. No, these these are just like two hour hotel rooms, and uh, <laughs> we realized why everybody was looking at us so weird. Of course, and we just started like it was it was hilarious. And the dude, the the Peruvian dude who totally knew <laughs> and walked us into that situation oh, man. was just laughing. You're just like, like just I'm going to get these us. gringos. <laughs> and so uh, we thanked him and we held the sketchiest cab I've ever seen in my entire life, dude. When I say that this thing was barely held together. Um, like a we, cardboard cab. We parked our ski. Like, and what is a cab doing at two thirty a.m. in this neighborhood? You know what I mean. Looking like, for gringos. <laughs> so we. There's probably just like a neighborhood. <laughs> there's probably like a neighborhood text that got sent out. Like, uh, all right, there's these, there's two stupid Americans. Let's fuck with them. So we hailed this cab, and um, we uh, we crammed in the back like i'm literally sitting on top of my bag our skis are hanging out the window (laughs) and then we start driving and we get about three blocks when i see this truck pull around the corner with big lights and a skull painted on the side oh geez and i'm like uh my first night in peru and i'm dead (laughs) i'm freaking like my dad's like Oh, my dad's going to kill me if I get killed here. <laughs> no, my dad's going to be like, I, I told you so. I told you to be careful. <laughs> and here I am, like, not being careful. And so this this truck stops us, cuts us off, stops us, pulls up next to us. And uh, I can't understand what they're saying because it's so slangy and, and fast. And my buddy's like, we're good. And we drove, and and apparently these are just security trucks that the, like the city hires to patrol the neighborhoods. But there's a, a skull on the side of it. Just like mercenaries, I, I guess, or like the cartel or and, something. And so like this dude took us to a hotel like closer to the 
quote unquote nicer part of town and we stayed and paid gringo prices and it was a hundred degrees with no air conditioning. I we may have slept in the same bed, I can't remember. <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah, that that was the first night in Peru and it was not how I expected it. <laughs> Dude, whenever I think about like experiences like that or just even like the daily like, you know, using Google Maps, like so imagine doing what you that trip of yours without a cell phone. And this <clears throat> is so millennial of me millennial of me to like think this is crazy, but like it wasn't that long ago where there was no digital resource for anything that you were trying to do and people were still doing trips like that just as almost as often as they are now. Oh, it's you like, think how do you even yeah. do that? Well, so I did, I, when I was in Eastern Europe, my charger broke and then my phone screen broke and then it was just a mess. And I, I didn't have internet access unless I was like at a coffee shop or somewhere. Mm hmm. And getting around was exponentially harder. And like it, it got to, you make it work. Like you walk up to the bus stop and you have to talk to people. You're like, yeah. I need to get here. How do I get here? Yeah. Um, and it kind of forces you to talk to people when you could normally just figure out something on your app, mm -hmm. like on an app. Um, but still, I was still using the internet to like find my routes and stuff, you know? Um, yeah, or even like, if you wanted to brush up on like the languages you were going to, like you couldn't just like Google translate random shit while you're in the conversation. You'd have to go like take Spanish two again <laughs> or some shit or like, yeah, I mean, you can't really Google translate during a conversation. I, mean, I guess you can't. Well, I, I was doing it. I had an Uber, two Ubers in Orlando where the guy spoke no English. Like I was like, Oh, crazy weather you know, we're having here. And he's like, no, no English. I'm you like, know what the, oh, the national language of America is freedom. Freedom, and there is none. That yeah. dude can speak whatever he wants. I know. I'm just saying. Like, I was just saying that. Um, I was trying to ask him something, so I typed it quick in Google, and then oh, it yeah. told me, and I I was able to ask him. Yeah, yeah. I get I get that. Yeah. And that's like one of those things where like you're at a bus stop and you need to talk to someone, you can translate and communicate that way. Yeah. Um, especially if you have translate saved on your phone and you don't need internet, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I was thinking an actual conversation where it's too fast for you to like actually look look shit up. Yeah, I tried. I tried at first to speak Spanish back, but my Spanish one and two from high school did not. <laughs> did has not stuck. Yeah, they made us take Spanish from kindergarten on. Whoa! And then I stopped when I was a sophomore, junior in high school. I wish they would like make allow i don't know maybe they do it now but like languages like they they ta you know, they have you take like french or german or you know like so few people in the world speak french and german like no. spanish is enormous chinese enormous indian enormous uh and arabic arabic's kind of a cool language yeah our high school taught arabic actually really yeah detroit That's cool. detroit metro has like one of the largest Arab populations outside the Middle East. Awesome. So, like, if you drive through Dearborn, there's, like, signs that are in Arabic and not English. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't think... I mean, uh, Minneapolis has a huge Somali population, but yeah. I don't think there's... 
I mean, there's like uh, storefronts that are in Arabic. Would they speak Arabic or? Young Noah, look up the. Uh, young Maverick. Yeah, Young yeah. Mav, look the. Uh, um, whatever language Somali people speak. Um, there's storefronts, but there's not like road signs or anything. But that's crazy. Yeah, like this is a Walgreens. With the. With oh the, yeah. Uh, Arabic writing for with the Arabic writing on it. Yeah. And like, um, wait, I'm trying to find like that. That's yeah. that's just like a. Is that a street sign? Yeah. It's just wow. a street sign that's in. <laughs> McDonald's, McDonald's sign. McDonald's <laughs> sign with an Arabic version of McDonald's on there. Yeah. Do you really need the writing, though? Does anybody need the writing for McDonald's sign? I don't think so. No, I think that Golden Arch is iconic. Yeah. I haven't been to McDonald's in years. Uh, I don't think I've been to one. I don't even think I've been. I think I've been to one here since I moved here once. I moved here almost a year ago. Um, I, this one stays in business. It's so busy. It is. There's like you see the lunch rush, and it's like wrapped around the building. And I'm sure like coffees and stuff because there's like a, you know, the Starbucks and Albertsons, but and there's little coffee shops well, around. Co- there's no coffee shop here open before seven. Really, not even like Pearl Street or Cowboy oh, Coffee. Pearl Street. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a bagel shop though. Coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. They. I mean, they do coffee and like some yeah, like cappuccinos right, and right. shit. I'm being too particular. Cowboy coffee, dude. If you were like, I love sitting there on their front. They have a little like patio yeah, space yeah, in the summer with the sun shining down. Yeah, like people are bustling around, bustling around the square. It's, it's just like a lot me. of energy. What? Like yeah. er- early in the morning, it's not that busy. Oh, it's so busy, dude. We live in a tiny town. Oh man, people. Yeah, dude. Oh man, I was as I was flying into Orlando, I could you know Orlando's huge and it's flat, so you can see basically to the ocean. And I was like getting anxiety. I was like, God, there's so many people here. I hate it. I love the energy. Now, Orlando is one of my least favorite places. I go there a lot. I have family down there. But I love the energy of cities. I love the feeling of like three, four, five million people running around. Wait, make up your mind. You were just saying that there's too busy in the Jackson Town Square early in the morning. But you're also like five million people. It's touristy busy. You know what I mean? Touristy busy is different than busy. Touristy busy is like, I'm going to walk slow. Because I'm on vacation. Because yeah. I'm on vacation. Yeah, I always get that when So, like, like I, I appreciate tourists for like the economy they bring in. I like, I think everybody is entitled to these mountains just as much as they are. But sometimes I'm trying to get places in their own way. <laughs> Dude, and this is including myself and Making everyone that turns. I love. People on vacation are just stupider. Because oh, they're yeah. just like, they have the attitude of like, I'm on vacation, I can relax, I don't need to have my guard up, I can do whatever I want. My favorite is... I can be drunk. Let me walk in the middle of the street and take a picture of the, the million dollar cowboy Yeah, street. the cowboy bar. In the middle, like, don't don't look for traffic, just walk out. Nope, that's uh, <laughs> it's not the main road that comes into town or goes to the village. There's not like a thousand people trying to get through this yeah. intersection right now. No, yeah, um, that, that important, again, that, I, you're, that picture you're going to show your nephew and niece and that's it, I, is so important. Yeah, well... It is. It is. I value tourism in, in that sense, but don't like just you know maybe you could respect the social norms the road. a little bit more. Yeah, <laughs> the road a little Cause bit there's more. Because there's a whole <laughs> s- town square with like a park that they could be 
standing in yeah, on most the side of our phones have the zoom feature yeah <laughs> or like yeah lens or something so what do you think you think uh you think the tourism is going to be affected by the coronavirus this summer less sea buses uh, i certainly hope so dude i was kind of freaked out when i so i flew to denver then orlando and in denver there's a ton of people with masks on mm-hmm. i had a few people on my plane over the mouth thing masks on. yeah, yeah. And then on my plane to Orlando, there's a bunch of um, Asian tourists going to Disneyland or Disney World. And I was like, whoa. Like, it doesn't yeah. really, you know, I, I mean, I, I see news clippings, but it doesn't really hit home until you're like in the place that it would be spread in. Yeah. So the way, the way I've been looking at things is um, I like this this could very well be like ground zero. You know what I mean? Like we have so many tourists here coming from Italy, China, wherever. And like thank you so much for coming here experiencing our culture, spending your money here. Um but this could very well be like one of the first places that coronavirus happens. Like is it likely? No, but could it be? Yeah. There's so, a, there's so a like convergence they, they, of a like, lot like, of Do you people think they would cor- I think they would quarantine the entire valley? Uh, like you wouldn't have yeah. people in or out of this place if this was like the first place where coronavirus popped up in the states. Hasn't it already? Yeah, but they've all been like quickly caught and. Oh. I don't. Know. I don't think we see as much. I mean, we see a lot of traffic of those different cultures, but we. I don't think we see as much as like L.A. or San Francisco would. No, they're much more likely, but mm-hmm. this still gets a lot of tourists compared to the normal town. Compared to the normal, like compared to like just speaking, just thinking about like the odds, like if you know, what are the what's what's the percentage that one of the how many maybe five hundred thousand Asian tourists come here, one of them has it versus the maybe. Well, they don't five, even need to be Asian. They they could be Italian at this point or Iranian. Has it really uh, like spread to other countries? Oh, there's a huge outbreak in Italy right now. Oh shit! Yeah, my dad's trip to Italy got canceled. Yeah, my I started to worry when my company FIS has, has sends me <laughs> send <laughs> has got a really weird text from Taylor. Um, sorry, when my company when FIS sends me like daily emails about the about coronavirus. Yeah, I mean it, it's affecting everybody's supply chain. It's affecting. Yeah, we have like a no, we have like a no travel to China right now. Yeah, well, so I've got a friend who's supposed to teach in China this summer. Her trip got canceled. My dad's trips to Ch- Asia got canceled. Mm-hmm. I was gonna go to China. Now I'm not. You know, like they send billions and billions of dollars mm-hmm. worth of damage to that airline industry there. Yeah, and um, it. Someone was saying today that like it actually is really it's like super good timing that we just had that trade deal made with China um, because now we're less um, dependent on them when they're having a, sh- a tough time right now. That's that's relative. Slightly less I mean, dependent. We, we yeah still Wait, manufacture a fuck. So time. when things are manufactured six months to a year in advance, yeah, like we'll we'll be seeing this in fall. You know what I mean? Like we're not gonna see the immediate. Yeah, they meet it. Consequences of has Steel had issues with your suppliers? Um, not my realm, to my knowledge. Yeah, uh, Jeff, no. want to ask him? No, that's a good question. Or Sandy Jeff. isn't Sandy's more Sandy. into that yeah. the supplier stuff, right? Um, both, I guess. 
but uh, I would assume so. Everybody is. If you have stuff made in Asia, you're being affected right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I think that because because my my question about the the tourism this summer is like our economy is going to go down in this valley because we're not getting as many tourists. I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine too. <laughs> but, you know, for the local businesses here, yeah. I'm sure they're not looking forward to having that, you know, whatever percentage point less of customers. Yeah, do you think they do they buy a lot of stuff? I don't know. I don't so I don't know like the 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 foreign tourists who come here on the on the tour buses specifically. I don't know if they get out and buy things cuz you you really only see them get out take pictures and then leave. I don't know what they do. Yeah, I've never really seen them in stores. It's always just they're always just like by the arches um and by like the national park I would signs. assume they spend money here. Like I I, I would assume so. Hmm. You know what I mean? And and to like I'm I I like that they come because like I not that I'm gonna hop on a tour bus, but I go experience other cultures. They have every right to come experience ours and yeah, like sure. enjoy it. And even if they don't spend money, like you know, these mountains are everybody's mountains. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I just wonder it gets if, like, annoying maybe... like when people walk out on the road, but then you gotta think, am I just being a dick? <laughs> Mostly no. No, no, they're being they're 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 bad too. Yeah. When they walk into the road. When, when anybody walks into the road. <clears throat> I think I've told you this before, but do you know that, like, um, China China is, like, obsessed with Jackson Hole. Like, so they have a – they built some replica towns outside of, like, Beijing or something. Um, yeah, because a Jackson Hole, China. Yeah. So they built a replica, London, a, a Paris, and then a Jackson Hole. And <laughs> it looks exactly like our town square. Like with the park and like the shops. The shops are obviously a little bit different because those change all the time. But like of all the cities, they built a replica Jackson Hole. Isn't that insane? Yeah, I think there's a I think there's an urban myth that JHMR ordered something one time, huh. like important parts for their gondola system or something, and it got sent to Jackson Hole, China instead, and they never got it. Oh my god, that's insane. That's funny. And you know, you know, I don't know. Who's the guy? Who's the guy with FedEx that is like what? Went to, it's supposed to go to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, not China. I had no clue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I'm pretty sure it's like just outside of Shanghai where there's no mountains. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they have no use for any gondola yeah. equipment whatsoever. Yeah, they built them in just like a nothingness area. Mm-hmm. The, all the towns are near each other, thinking people will go live there. But like you could live next to the Paris, China um, Eiffel Tower for like nothing because all those, all those apartments that are replicas of the real apartments are just totally open. There's so many replica Eiffel Towers. Yeah. <laughs> I just one in like Vegas, China. Where else? I don't know. Those were the two I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just assumed there was more. Probably Atlantic City. Yeah. Maybe not. Um, It's kind of a funny thing to be like, we're going to build a replica, whatever. Um, but then we have a replica Eiffel Tower in our Las Vegas. You know what I mean? Like we have a, a replica Taj Mahal in Atlantic City. Yeah, well, that's, that's like on the on the place I'm going. Like that's super gimmicky. Instead of like, instead of putting in the work to try to make your own thing that's uniquely popular, we just say like, 
we're just going to miniaturize something that's already popular somewhere else. Or we and China with the replica towns and like I don't know, what the I don't know if they do it anywhere there. else in like resort towns. I you wonder if it's like, hey, we don't want our money leaving our economy. Can we just put this town here? You know what I mean? Or they're like, oh, it's a safer investment because like people like that thing. Let's just put that thing here. Yeah, I, I watched a video where this this guy was touring his like log home replica log home Mm -hmm. and uh he was like i just love western movies and that was his reason for buying a home in jackson hole china this this a uh, chinese guy this this guy from shanghai yeah like he moved to jackson hole china because he loved western movies yeah well that's a good reason Um, if you you can't get the western if you don't want to leave china but you want to get the western culture go to jackson hole china absolutely but you wonder if there's enough of a market for that to justify building a town yeah, what if like, because because the the draw to Jackson Hole, I think, is the mountains, not necessarily the yeah the downtown area. <laughs> yeah, is the Cowboy Bar cool? Yes, or the Arches cool? Yes, but it's even cooler mountains? to go climb a mountain, right? Within twenty minutes of your house, that's way cooler. Yeah, what if like we start developing all these open space um, countries as they start being more developed? With just, with just repeats of other cities, like, like somewhere maybe we start developing like countries in Africa, and there's like a replica, um, Dubuque, Iowa, replica, replica Marquette, Michigan, replica Duluth, Duluth, Minnesota, you know, because like randomly that culture or like a, like in Somalia somewhere develops a, a replica of Minneapolis because Somalians like Minneapolis. <laughs> I never thought about that. You well, I feel like those have to be. Maybe, no, no, no. It's too hard. Those those these cities develop naturally. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's how it should be. Like, yeah. whatever cities develop will have their own cool things about them, <clears throat> and that's cool on its own. It's not. We don't need to put. They don't need to put our our shit in there. It's kind of crazy that Africans, well, there's one in Egypt, but Africa, for the most part, and South America are the only places without the coronavirus right now. Well, wild. Oh, Bridger just came to join us. Hi, buddy. Hello. Do you want to say hi? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope you all heard him stiff at the mic. Yeah, I could hear it. Yeah. He was just taking a nap. All right. Well, I think we should wrap this up. Been an hour and eighteen minutes. Bridger, Bridger wants some attention, so we won't, um, we won't delay this any longer. Um, Alex, thanks for coming back in the show. Yeah, you're always a welcome guest. Um, hope we can go when we go when you go skiing. Uh, hope I can join you because. yeah, we haven't skied together. Yeah, we have we have not skied together yet, even though we hang out, we've hung out this whole time. I've been friends for since many, the many fourth moons. of July. Many moons. Yeah. But yeah, so glad to see you're almost back out there and we gotta get out there for a nice little ski tour or something that's right. Bridger, you have anything else to say? Yeah, go for it. Okay. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Um as always, um send me a text or a direct message on Instagram or anything. Let me know how the sound the sound sounds. Or if we talked about cool shit or we didn't. Um, and Alex, uh, tell everyone where the people can find you. 
on uh, Instagram. Well, you just deleted Instagram. Well, you said it's it's off my phone. It's not deleted. Deleted. I don't know my handle. Okay, Young Maverick, look it up. Um, yeah, no, no need to shout me out. I'm a I'm a anonymous man. Yeah. Um, I appreciate it. Anyways, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Um, have a great week. Like I said in last week's episode, um, every day I wake up trying to figure out how I can do the next step to build my next dream. And um, I, I, f- I find that is a really good way to think about the day. So Bridget's being really anxious, but thanks everyone. Have a great week. Bye.